Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Today, I am your host. Actually, I'm your host every day. Today's podcast, we're talking to Bianca and Martina, who own La Rossi Pizza, which is a frozen pizza company. And we're going to talk about how they got started, what they're looking to do inside of the frozen pizza model. And I think a lot of people after 2020 wanted to find ways or should find ways to expand their customer base. And if you're a local business, one way to expand your customer base is to be able to ship people pizza no matter where they are in the country. As long as you build up your following, they are aware of who you are and what you do, and they want to check out your pizza, frozen pizza shipped across the country is a great way to do that. So on the podcast today, Martina and Bianca are joining me, and they're going to talk about how they got started and how they started their business and what they're looking to do and how they find people to help them grow and what's necessary to build a frozen pizza business, a good frozen pizza business, not a bad frozen pizza business with those grocery store pizzas. Listen, all, a lot of you guys want to get your pizza into grocery stores, and that's different than the pizza that we're used to seeing frozen in the grocery store. So this was an interesting story. I wanted to bring them on the podcast and kind of share their insights and their experiences with how they got going, and they're new. They're just starting out as well, so there's a lot of things that they need to learn as well, and we talk about that on this week's podcast. I think you're going to enjoy this one. If you have a question, you can reach out to me, Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. Be aware of our Pizza Summit 2021, which is happening. I'm going to do a whole podcast, I think, next week about the Pizza Summit and who's going to be speaking in the sessions that we're going to be doing and how you can get a coupon code to join us. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to probably do, in addition to our regular podcast, I'll do an additional podcast all about the Pizza Summit, and maybe even do some lives over on Facebook and Instagram. So if you haven't followed us there yet, go check us out on Instagram. I'm at Smart Pizza Marketing and The Bruce Irving. And on Facebook, I am the same at Smart Pizza Marketing. So give a follow there. Real quick, say thanks to our sponsor, Hunger Rush, and then we're going to get right into the podcast. Hunger Rush is a fully integrated restaurant management system that lets the restaurant own the relationship with the customer. It creates guest experience to drive repeat business, makes customer data accessible to analyze and put into action, and it creates operational efficiencies to increase profit margins. All in one easy to use and highly configurable system. Check out how Hunger Rush can benefit your pizzeria by visiting smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash Hunger Rush. You're going to need a bigger oven, that's for sure. We have quite a few people who use Hunger Rush, whether they listen to the podcast or are in our mastermind groups, and all of them love it. The one thing I can say from my experience is the ability to follow up with your customers once they order from you online is unlike any other point of sale system. And that's the most important thing, the relationship management system that it has that helps you with email marketing, text message marketing, and the ability to do all of that inside your point of sale system is amazing. So again, go check out Hunger Rush, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash Hunger Rush. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have Martina and Bianca joining me on the podcast. They have a very interesting business that I think you're going to be fascinated with as I am watching them online. So first of all, Bianca, Martina, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you guys got a ton going on. I appreciate you joining me here on the podcast today. Thank you, Bruce. Yes. I always start by asking, how the heck did you get into this crazy business? Because the pizza industry is very unique. There's always uh, different aspects of how people get started and got interested in it. So I'd love to hear how you guys started your business and how you got into the pizza industry uh, to begin with. Great. 
Uh, Bianca, why don't you go ahead with uh, the, the, connect, the emotional connection that our family has with pizza and who we are, and then I can definitely just like uh, integrate with where my passion and my idea came from. Perfect. So you might be able to see the resemblance, maybe not. So I am Martina's daughter, um, and we are Italian. My mother was born in Bologna, Italy in the north, and uh, although she moved here in the late 80s to marry my father and, and kind of kickstart their life in the U.S., Italy has always been a huge part of, of our upbringing. You know, we, we grew up speaking Italian. We grew up spending summers with our family in Italy. And I think by nature of that, food was always extremely present in our life as something that brought people together, that you shared memories around. Um, and also, you know, the, the quality and attention that it, Italy and Italians have to food is, is really present. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's what one of the things Italy is known for. And it's funny because for me growing up, um, at a very young age, I expressed wanting to be a doctor. My father's a doctor. And so that seemed to everyone like a great idea. And I really wanted to do it. Right. Um, and yet food was always kind of in the background, but not so much the background there. You know, I remember one of my first memories was making tortellini, the bolognese tortellini with my mom and my grandmother and like my four-year-old hands like peeking up over <laughs> you know, the, the counter, not really being able to see what was going on. But um, for me, kind of like, you know, roundabout way, like didn't end up becoming a doctor. Here we are. Um, but, you know, a, a career in food was presented to me a lot later uh, in, in my life. And, you know, but I think what ended up happening was for me, pizza specifically, obviously was all, all, always there, like Italy, the birthplace of Neapolitan pizza in, in many ways. And, um, you know, pizza itself was, was always present. But we used to have these pizza parties um, growing up and that's my emotional connection and, and, you know, not business related at all at that point, but it was um, in, in Brooklyn Heights where I grew up, uh, we would just, we would make pizza dough and we would invite friends and family to come over. We would have like topping parties, we would drink some great wine. And it was just our family's kind of way of getting a lot of people that we cared about together in one place. Uh, so there's like, you know, a, a vestige of like a, one of the first pizza parties, I think it's on my Instagram from 2008, um, where it's just a few college friends of mine, like around our kitchen table, like and we're all topping pizzas and, and having fun. Um, so for me, like, you know, my mom's business venture and then my personal kind of connection to the pizza kind of came together at once, like starting a few years ago. Um, and then my background, you know, after I decided I didn't want to be a doctor, I explored a career in food. And so that kind of took on various iterations. It started, you know, I was like, maybe I want to be a nutritionist because that kind of was a, you know, kind of a, a jump from, from the doctor part. And then that evolved into service and events and hospitality marketing. Uh, and now here we are talking about La Rossi. That's great. So when did La Rossi start? So we officially launched in January, which was, you know, we were, uh, we are in a commercial kitchen in the West Village in New York City. Yep. Uh, it was a great opportunity to start uh, softly in, in, in a time that was tragic for many people in the food yeah. industry. And um, we set up operations. We finished our uh, recipe development, which we had started uh, 
a, a year before or two years before we'd done a lot of research and study and we felt ready, you know, to go online and to really kind of uh, venture out of the world of pizza. I love it. There's something about pizza, like my daughter. So I've been in the pizza industry kind of my whole life since I was a teenager and my first job as a uh, working at Pizzeria Regina here in the Boston area. And there's something about pizza that you can do at home that kind of brings the whole family together. Like, you know, my daughters, I have three daughters myself. And they very much grew up all the time with oh. us doing pizza parties for their, for their birthday parties and cooking pizza together and like them putting toppings on their pizza. And they remember that even though I've cooked other things with them, but they never remember like the, the burgers that we topped and had. They always remember like the pizza. There's something about pizza that brings it together and like implants that memory and nostalgia in your brain that you kind of always remember no matter how old you get. And I love that story that you had about pizza parties at home and, and that's kind of like why you got started. I love that. Yes. And then maybe on, on more of my professional background and why I went into pizza, I co-founded a company called Gustiamo um, many years ago. And we were importing really high quality artisanal food from Italy. We started selling online um, retail and then we went into wholesale. And uh, toward the end of my years at Gustiamo, I became very involved with uh, the local food movement uh, in New York City. Of course, I was coming from a background of importing, distributing, right, wholesale, and, uh, but always being in touch with, with food and food products. And with the interest that I had, I joined an organization that is called Slow Food uh, New York City. It's the local chapter of an international organization which was funded in Italy. And um, I became more in touch with the local production. And, you know, I work with farms, I work with resources. We ran a program for children, for youth uh, in East New York, uh, in Brooklyn. And we ran this uh, farm for many, many years. Uh, and uh, I became particularly um, enthusiastic about offering better food access to a larger number of people and going back to what you were saying before why is that you know this this really like for pizza it was something very easy right so we used yeah. the, almost like a canvas that we can put up our values on without making it become too lofty of an idea but here's a good pizza that is good for you is sourced with integrity and we're really putting our heart to make something that if you look at it you know it's a slow kind of green market kind of pizza but let's just describe like what your business is so people listening at home can understand what you guys are doing. Sure. So we are making frozen and refrigerated pizza. Um, we are about to launch our refrigerated pizza. Um, it's, a, it's a process that obviously has to do more with uh, uh, food manufacturing, right, than running a pizzeria or anything else. And um, many times I think there is a little bit of that misperception uh, that we're a pizzeria and although, you know, we can bake the pizza and serve the pizza, but it, it's really a process that it's uh, not necessarily more complex, but it has many more steps. Um, so we bake our pizza. We have a mixer that really uses a lot of uh, uh, stone ground uh, um, flour from upstate New York. And, you know, we have our base flour that's it's a little more stable, of course. It's a challenging mix um, because, you know, it's, it's uh, the yield, uh, the reaction to the temperature and everything else. But I would say we have become pretty uh, popular for the crust because it's a very good flavor of flour. You, you taste that. Mm -hmm. And then um, we top it, we bake it, we use a conveyor oven. And we are not ashamed of using machines or things that are really 
allowing us to not stress the product to, to take care of it in the best possible way. And so our conveyor oven is from Italy as a stone, uh, which replicates that, that feeling and that look and that taste of yeah. almost a brick oven. Uh, bake it, blast freeze it, and vacuum seal it. Um, and so the pizza is ready to go, right? So you can uh, purchase the pizza here on the spot, but we also deliver uh, larossipizza.com uh, in New York City for now, testing national shipping. Um, and you get the pizza, and the best uh, feedback that we got um, was, this is not frozen pizza. This is a pizza that just came out of a brick oven. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to work toward that goal. And I would say all the research that we have been doing, all the testing were to create a frozen pizza that has that fresh um, feeling. Yeah, there's not too many good frozen pizza. Like, I mean, yours is different. And I guess, you know, if there's people listening to the podcast who have done their own frozen pizza, it's different than the ones you buy in the grocery store. But the ones in the grocery store aren't great at all. Well, well we're, we're never, like I always say, I love old pizza. I was in an airport recently and I smell, again, let's say what it is about pizza that has that universal appeal. And yeah. I think it was one of those big brands chain, and I was like, I can eat that pizza. But but again, you know, for us to to be able to put out there, put on the market something that has a really transparent aspect about it, you can come to us and you can say, where did you get that onion? Where did you get those you know seasonal toppings? That tomato, and the you know a very short, clean label was very important because there's so much that that happens when you are um, you know when you're going on that track right with making food then of course we pay attention to all the aspects when we say you know we want to be sustainable sustainability is a very difficult uh, uh, topic to address for a company but we have a director of sustainability because we really think that from packaging from where the food is coming from, how are the people treated in the company that are making the food in our company was always really important for us. Mm -hmm. How long you have know, you been on this? I know you said you started, like you just kind of launched it in January, but I'm sure there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to kind of get this rolling, especially, you know, did this start in 2020 with the, with the whole pandemic or were you working on this before that? We were working on it before. Uh, I think we were getting a little bit stuck in that pattern of, perfection we want to you know uh paralysis through analysis but we have been also working and this is the it's a big aspect of what we're doing we always maintain very close relationship with uh, uh italian companies you know our advisor and partner uh owns a, a very successful refrigerated and frozen pizza production in italy so we were really dipping into his experience because we were new to the frozen and refrigerated. So right. we had this idea to do it from the beginning. We never didn't want to make frozen or refrigerated, but so we did a lot of tests in Italy. Um, and we actually shipped American flour to Italy, which is kind of like the opposite of what happens <laughs> because we thought that in Italy, there's still a very strong attention um, of the artisans and, and a, you know, really a, um, a skill to use ingredients that are again not industrial or because it's just the history of Italy right right so maybe we 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 are 
for a while we were lagging behind in industrial kind of production, but the small size, small to medium size artisanal uh, productions are very advanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce, we, we get asked a lot, like, so, so why didn't you start a pizzeria? Why did you go frozen first? And I, a lot of that does come from the Italian background because you can see that in, in the United States, a lot of the time you have pop, pop culture trends, they start here and they work their way across the rest of the world. But if you look at the history of food, even slow food, right? The chapter that my mother and I are both involved in and a portion of the sales from the pizza from La Rossi go towards supporting slow food New York City, that movement was born in Italy um, in the early 1980s. So I think you've seen a history of Italy and Europe in general. They've always cared about food, about what they put in their food, um, and and celebrating sustainability too. Kilometro zero, which means zero kilometers, was born in Italy and, and is the idea that you source as locally as possible as much as possible. And so both frozen and refrigerated, those sections in the grocery stores, like that gives you an opportunity to be more sustainable across the entire food system. Because if you have a frozen pizza, right, you know exactly the quantity. It's not going to go to waste. You, you know, you, you pull it out when you eat it. You decide when. Um, and refrigerated, uh, you know, in that sense too, a refrigerated um chain like that that requires less energy than the frozen it requires you know less energy across the entire um situation which is which is part of the reason that that appealed to us um coupled with you know just research in in the growth of these categories and um something i'm particularly passionate about i think is is that the rise of frozen and refrigerated uh it was always happening but the pandemic definitely accelerated that um to the point where i think you know, now you have you have a generation of um, individuals, especially Gen Z and millennials, who care about the environment and about these social good values more than any generation ever has before, right? And you have these young people who are coming into their purchasing power as adults, and they're wielding their money for good. So right. all of a sudden, they don't want the frozen pizza of 20, 30 years ago, right? They or or any kind of frozen food. They want convenience, like America always has, uh, but they are willing to pay for quality now and demanding it too. So. I think we've really seen, you know, we're firmly in the CPG frozen space and we have a lot of, you know, what we call, you know, friends in like a, like an IPSA is a really good, um, not in pizza, they do kind of frozen meals, but just this, just this rise towards quality in, in the frozen and refrigerated space and and refrigerated specifically is still so untapped here in the U S but if you go to grocery stores in Italy, in Paris, um, in France and Spain, you see, um, you see how much more available there is there. Like, is there frozen pizzas? Uh, not frozen, but refrigerated pizzas. Do they sell that in Italy? Like you're trying to do? Yes. Wow. Yes, definitely mm-hmm. they do. In general, this for sure. I mean, as, as Bianca was saying, I think that you know, music trends come from the U.S. A lot of trends, right? But food trends, we see them being born in Europe, and uh, there's a very uh, kind of a sudden spike in. Uh, refrigerated high quality food um so for example you know i go back to bologna and you would go to a supermarket you will find beautiful trays of refrigerated pasta and you know we use uh, modified atmosphere packaging which is completely natural 
Um, so, you know, you take away oxygen, right? And you um, add some uh, uh, nitrogen and CO2 in the package and that extends the shelf life, which of course for the supply chain, the challenge is um, the shelf life of refrigerated products. But um, the experiments that we're, we're doing right now are actually intended to extend the shelf life. It's possible. It's something that we, we have seen in Europe. And uh, then you choose. You prefer to have your stock of frozen pizza in the freezer because of your lifestyle, or you know you're going to eat your pizza in three weeks. And if you don't, put it in the freezer. So we just want to give more uh, flexibility to the product. Yeah. Huh? And a can you explain to me like the process, like how did you guys get started with the process? Like what was the first thing that you did? It was it just, was it work on the recipe or try to figure out how to make it so that you could ship it? Was it? Which it was definitely the recipe because the recipe expressed uh, our ethos in terms of how do we make pizza? What kind of pizza we want to have? And then we figured, we said, okay, with a little bit of ingenuity, really well assisted again from partners in Italy, companies we met, conversations we had, uh, tests and you know going on for years really we said okay now the challenge is take this really good pizza and make it stable so that when Bruce gets it it's going to taste exactly how it's coming out of our oven right and uh, so definitely I would say the, the very first thought was uh, you know make it and then we'll deal with the technical details Did it and have to change all that much from like when you first started to like making it shippable I'm, I'm sorry. Did the recipe change a lot from the time you made it like in your kitchen to eat it to having to ship it? Was there a whole lot of change in that recipe or was it kind of simple? No, no not at all, which was a, a beautiful surprise. Then <laughs> technically uh, there are challenges, you know, like there are little details of this production that, uh, you know, a pizza loses the vacuum or why is it happening or why is, and then we introduced new machines and I think that really also put a spin on the kind of product and production. So for example, the new oven that we have, which is you know, much more powerful, um, it took us about a month to really make sure that the product, and I can tell you the happiness of, of our baking team when we're like, oh, we got back to the same good pizza, at least you know, by, by our standard, right? Uh, try not to compromise anything. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, it's been really amazing to be on this journey too, because in addition to the frozen and refrigerated space and how there was an opportunity there, I think there's equally an opportunity, you know, sustainability is, it's not a trend. It's not going anywhere. It's something extremely important if we want to keep up, you know, our quality of life yeah. uh, here in the States and across the world. And, and so I think to, you know, to be able to speak to that audience and, and people who care about that and, and, bring that message further across is really important to us. Um, and, and also being women in pizza and family owned, you know, is, is such a privilege. I think, you know, we're, we're really trying to shed some light, uh, on, on the women front. It's historically, you know, the, the I, I don't know the exact number, but it, you know, women in pizza, it's a fraction of the, of the pizza workforce. So, um, uh, to be, you know, to, to be in that category is also, it's just so wonderful. And it's, it's kind of brought us closer with consumers and, you know, it's, uh, um, it's, it's a great time to kind of be, be doing this, this project as well. Project. I love it. I mean, <laughs> as a father of three daughters, I love when seeing any women 
uh, in this business, in this industry? Because I know women are, uh, are, are, can be in any business. Like there's no right. business that they can't do, but to see them in the pizza industry, which like you said, hasn't traditionally had a lot of women in it. I love seeing women do anything in the pizza industry because it just shows the younger generation who are looking like the younger generation of people who are, you know, 20 and below are having a real hard time now figuring out what they want to do with their life, right? They go through school. They know that they think that college is the way, but they go to college. They don't know what they want to do. And they there, but there's so many opportunities for them to explore industries that maybe they haven't thought of. And I love the showcasing and, and seeing people who uh, women, especially who are in these businesses who weren't traditionally women, women had a ton of women do these jobs. I love being able to showcase them and like show my kids, like, see, you can do literally do anything you want. Any industry that you think is not, is not women heavy eccentric like do it do it break the mold and right. go in there and do it i love it exactly well, that would yeah i have to encourage them yeah. support yeah. that emma um, and that's something that we want to do in the future you know and and even i'd say like even now you know we're we're not as small a team as we were a year ago but we're on the smaller side of teams right now and hoping to grow but we love working with people who maybe don't have any experience in, yeah. in pizza or in operations or logistics but if you you know it's I historically I've always wanted to take not chances that's the wrong word but just work with people like that because just just because you don't have experience in something doesn't mean like you can't add value or that you're not great in in that capacity and I think you know as someone who did find it difficult at first to pivot right I had about eight years of experience working in emergency rooms fertility clinics like all my experience was in medicine until I was 22 and then all of a sudden I wanted to go into food and I really had no idea where to start because no one would really hire me because I had no experience but you know so yeah. so to be able to give opportunities to people who in that similar situation especially women is also really important to us yeah I think enthusiasm in effort and hard work is much more valuable than a skill because a skill is trainable, right? Like I can't train, I can't teach you to be enthusiastic about what you're doing, but I can teach you how to make a pizza. That's very easy for me to teach yeah. you it's repetition. So I agree with that hundred percent. And we always say it's not rocket science and this not to diminish the amount of effort that is required to come out with a beautiful pizza, be it a pizzeria, be it, you know, a production like ours. Um, so you can work around the products and I completely agree that you need the attitude. You need that kind of, I can do it. I can learn. And, yeah. and that's the most beautiful thing. So you guys shipping, where are you shipping right now? Your pizzas? We are really just test shipping because uh, you can imagine with dry ice uh, traveling and everything. We want to make sure that the products, so we did about 10 test shipping. Uh, we, we shipped to DC. There were a couple of company stores that were interested in carrying our pizza. So I said, okay, let's see how it gets there. Um, and then to context of ours, we really wanted a feedback. You might be the next one that gets it. Mm -hmm. um, and then today to Miami and you know New Jersey. So we're, we're really just a very careful test of how does the pizza gets there mm -hmm. um, and the packaging and the solutions because as we were saying before, also packaging is very important to us, right? How do you really do something that has less impact on the environment? And um, um, we are studying different kind of uh, uh, insulator and boxes, uh, speaking to several companies. We are also uh, starting um, 
trial with a compostable plastic bags for our pizza. Um, it's 99% compostable, so we'll try how it's going. Right now, you know, it's very simply packaged. The, the actual individual pizza is inside a plastic uh, food grade um, vacuum sealable bag. And uh, we hope to do a little better with that as well. Yeah. How do you work on the pricing structure? So I see on your website you have prices. How does, is it the same? Uh, I guess it's kind of the same because your expenses are probably the same as if you had to rent and, uh, and a ton of it. I guess, how does that work out? Because if you work in a regular place, like you have rent, but I'm sure you have much higher rent because you have probably a huger facility, right? Are you just going to go on volume or how does it yeah. work out for that? Yes. So, um, you know, we had a very accurate or as accurate as possible uh, financial projections business plan. We really worked uh, very, um, you know, consciously on it. Um, and then COVID happened. Right. We were lucky because we had just uh, finished our round of, uh, you know, pre-seed fund and um, had this idea that we would replicate uh, a mini lab. So if you imagine a space, a small footprint space, we would mainly have a lab in the back and then we would serve our frozen pizza. Again, there was no secret. Our bases are frozen. We top it seasonally, but also we would have sold packaged pizza to go. So it would have been like a cross between, uh, you know, casual pizza over the counter place and retail pizza place. Okay. Um, okay. So we were ready to go with that. And then this was exactly last year in February, we were uh, almost ready to put a deposit on a lease in Brooklyn of a space that would have served perfectly this purpose. And then I was waiting for our partners from Italy to come because we were, you know, going back quickly into R and D and getting the place together. And then they, all of a sudden, you know, Europe and Italy specifically really got the brunt of the first of um, the pandemic. And so um, they haven't been here since then. Uh, so all of a sudden it's me and Bianca and uh, we are saying, what are we doing? And we saw an opportunity actually to uh, move into this kitchen and to, you, you mentioned rent uh, has not been crazy because around us a lot of places emptied out. Right. Um, you know, a lot of business really sadly had to kind of leave overnight. And so we said, okay, we had a wholesale and direct to consumer in the plan year three. And we had to kind of shift the order of things. And we said, let's start with direct to consumer, which is relative. There's, there've been a lot of business, right. That moved into that delivery online order delivery yeah. model. And then we found partners, wholesale partners who, uh, deliver groceries they're very much aligned with the kind of products that we support and uh, it's been beautiful collaboration so you know we're growing a little bit at a time and also testing which market would stick and I feel that we had a, the luxury of doing that um, because things slow down and it was like okay let's just take our time and uh, not invest a ton of money in what we're doing we do uh, invest a lot of money in equipment. That was always our, um, you know, our idea that we need great machines to make great food. Um, you know, there's an internal job, joke where we say, well, we are making food that is seriously, seriously good. Um, it's not something that we are against. We hope to make a lot of good food um, 
and to offer to a lot of people. Yeah. But your customer base is everywhere too, right? Once you get it figured out, your customer base is everywhere versus just a geographical area where you can get to the customer within a time frame where they can get to you where the, the product is hot and stays hot, right? Like there's only yes. so far someone can travel or you can travel when you own a business mm -hmm. that is takeout or delivery or dining because people aren't going to travel unless you're super good. It's not going to be very frequently, but they travel right. an hour or two hours to get to you. But you, on the other hand, once you get it all figured out and set up, you know, someone in California could get a couple pizzas from you. and They could yeah. be, regular customers, right? As long as they are, they're happy with the product and gets delivered well. So that opens the opportunity for you to kind of have a larger footprint for customers than just a regular pizzeria in a specific spot. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you get the word? How are you getting the word out about what you guys are doing? Uh, we have a fantastic person here in the family. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's Bianca's background too, right? She's working in marketing and communication for a long time. I think she has very good relationships and, you know, it, it's something. And also, I've been in the food business for years and years now. So I feel that I love that circle that we created around us, uh, um, you know, mutual support of... Uh, food business, uh, people in food, in, in many different uh, uh, permutations, what you do, you know, it could be a writer, it could be a producer, mm -hmm. it could be a resource or, or another food manufacturer. So I think that community really was important for us, um, support us uh, since the beginning. Uh, I find it a very friendly, very generous community in general. I don't have much experience with, you know, other more communities, but I, I always feel that it's good to be in food. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Bianca, you're, you're, you're like, is social media one of the platforms where you are trying to get the word out so people are aware or is it a slow roll since you're not hundred percent ready yet? No, it's actually, I'd say we're kind of dabbling in many, I, you know, so I'm also earning my MBA in marketing through Johns Hopkins university right, okay. right now. And, um, that kind of integrated approach has been really valuable too. So real um, world and school, cause those two don't yeah. always go together. Exactly. No, it, my father was like, just start your own business. I'm like, well, we are, <laughs> right. but, but I do think that, you know, yes, like I, everyone says, start your own business crash course MBA. But I think there's the other component to it, where it's like you, you know, the strategic tools, the business acumen that is required to grow and scale companies successfully. That is not always something like you can make a lot of mistakes, obviously, which is right. great. Um, so, and yeah, it's part-time. And so, you know, I think it's, it's great, but to your point, I mean, a question that we always ask ourselves and as somebody with a background in hospitality marketing for almost 10 years now, it's always about who is your customer? Where are they getting their news. Uh, I think as a product that is, you know, 10, 12, $13 at most, we have the luxury of having a very low barrier to entry. So it's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not like you're spending a thousand dollars on a three Michelin star meal or booking a, a luxury vacation or a vacation at all. It's right. You have, uh, it's much easier to experience our product. And so I think it's, it's just very exciting to ask ourselves like, okay, so who's buying this? For example, we have gotten feedback that while parents 
and adults are buying a lot of the pizza. It's their kids in college who are eating a lot of it, right? And and so I was like, where do you talk, where do you like where do college kids get their news? And it's from friends and it's from TikTok. Yes. So <laughs> right now we're exploring a potential collaboration with Manhattan Mini Storage, doing you know like on a TikTok campaign. So thinking that way is is. Um, it's important to be strategic and, but also it's pizza, right? And so one of our favorite things about pizza is that everyone loves it from a two-year-old to a college teenager to, you know, your grandmother, you know, on the Upper West Side or in Iowa or wherever. Um, and so it's really about understanding like where does everyone get their news because that looks completely different, right? From who might listen to this podcast to who like, you know, who is following us on Instagram. And while there's a lot of overlap, I think it's important to just be, you know, strategic and multi-channel at the same time. And I think that's changing too quickly, right? Like TikTok two years ago, there was no like 30 or 40 year olds on TikTok two years ago, but now yeah. That's mm -hmm. very much different than it was then. And same with Instagram. Like Instagram's even evolving. Like things that the people who use Instagram two years ago are now moving over to TikTok and Instagram is kind of plateauing with its growth. So well, like said, you got to be careful of where you got to look at where people are in the moment and then create exactly. content there. Exactly. And to be nimble, right? Like we're, it's, we're lucky right now because it's, it's not like, you know, a marketing campaign has to go through like three months of approvals and things like right. that. We're pretty flexible in, in being able to say like, no, this is a good idea. Let's try it. Right. Um, but what's interesting about Instagram, you know, for us, the direction of Instagram is actually beneficial, right? So they're doing a huge push on shopping and products. Whereas when I start, when I, you know, 2011, 2012, when I first got on Instagram it, and up until maybe a year ago, it was more firmly in the personal relationship, like what you're doing and showcasing that. So we, I feel lucky in that respect that like, you know, for us, Instagram still makes sense, but, um, you know, uh, for, for others, it, it might not. Um, you know, the number one, then, you know, the number one food photoed on Instagram is pizza. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but it does not surprise me. <laughs> if you, I always tell people, if you own a pizzeria, you're not putting or leveraging Instagram for your photos. You're making a huge mistake. I go to these pizzeria restaurant accounts and you go on there and there's not one po photo of their pizza. I'm like, what are you doing? I know. I know. Um, but what's interesting too, I think one of my favorite things and elements of marketing is strategic partnerships and collaborations. Yeah. Um, so as much as this might be, you know, uh, like a, a press opportunity, it's also the platforms that that we all have. And, and ours is obviously growing. But for example, you know, we're uh, two of our amazing wholesale partners are now Farm to People and Our Harvest. And we're having so much fun doing like a Just Crust challenge for, the, for Farm to People's Instagram or you know, working with our harvest on their newsletter. And so to, to be able to tap and share with those kinds of audiences that have very like-minded consumers already captured is, uh, is, is really fun. And underutilized. Not a lot of people do that. It's like, it could be a little work to get it worked out. Um, yeah. But there's not a whole lot of people doing that together with collaborations on either Instagram or TikTok right now still. Right, right. And then of course, yes, press. And I always say, you know, because so outside of La Rossi and my MBA, I do consult freelance uh, for a few clients in, in the hospitality space. And I always, you know, media relations is just changing so much from when I first got into PR marketing 10 years ago. I mean, it's, you know, writers have less time, there's less budgets and, and less bandwidth. So 
it's really important to understand from a press perspective what what you want. You know, I mean, we were so fortunate to have an amazing announcement piece in New York Times, their style magazine's newsletter, which was in the newsletter and then it went online and then it was also a social post. So it's almost like you have three placements in one and we were reaching a very specific audience that, you know, that we thought would like the pizza and who, um, who trusts, you know, what, what is being put out across that newsletter. Um, but what I say is also, you know, there's different kinds of press. You have press that could be helpful for profile and perception and per perhaps like in the future investors. And then you also have press um, that you want to be a part of in like kind of the trend area. And, you know, but um, I think it's, it's, it's hard. Press is not very tangible sometimes. Like, you know, if something's working, but you don't necessarily see like a mention in a placement and then, you know, 15 sales from that. So it's... Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a 360 degree approach for sure. What is your, Ben, like the, the one you find the, the funnest? The, what, what was the first like part marketing of the question? Wise, like what, 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 what marketing platform or do you enjoy the most? Like I, you really look forward to creating this content or working with this place and it's going to go here and it's just fun regardless of the outcome. I think it's, it applies to all channels, but for me, it's the networking, the meeting new people who completely care exactly about, you know, are as geeky about pizza or marketing yeah. or as you are, and just coming up with like these ideas, like Manhattan mini stores that came from a friend of mine who handles their PR and marketing. And we were like, wait, this would be amazing, <laughs> you know? And, and so just kind of sparking like creative ideas, whether it's for social or it's for, you know, a, a story for a, a press placement or a podcast, or we just love connecting with people who, you know, love pizza and, and want to share it with us. Yeah. There's not only quite, there's not a lot of people who don't like pizza and I try to stay away from those people anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like pizza, we don't trust you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Unless it's like a dietary thing and you can't eat it, we'll, we'll make an exception for you. But if you're like, just don't like it, then yeah, it's not someone we want to hang out with. Which is interesting that you bring up the dietary because we've gotten a lot of questions about when are you making gluten-free? When are you making cauliflower? And my, my mother and I, we have these discussions, whereas we recognize the, the, the purchasing power that, it, you know, and, and the, um, the profit or that we might see from those, then on the devil's advocate side, like the product is going to be completely different. It's not going to be what we're offering. It's not going to be, you know, the local flower that we're so proud of the yields this crust. So it's like, is it even worth going into that if right. it's going to change your product completely and, and be pretty far away from what you set out to do? So, um, and uh, using, uh, you know, flour that is really good and has a higher nutrition value and it's, it's very pure uh, makes a big difference, right? Because you know what, what you are feeding to people and you feel good about it. And sure, if you have a serious gluten intolerance or um, even more serious than that, it's, you're not going to eat any kind of uh, bread or anything. But we always say, you know, we try to balance the recipe as well use very little yeast, um, the fermentation time is long, it varies depending on several factors, but we definitely let the gluten develop and everything else. So I, the, the bakers we have are, are very, um, you know, they're very skilled in this kind of product. Uh, they work with uh, artisanal flour for making bread. So um, I also feel that it's a, it's a pizza that is not going to feel heavy, it's not, you know, we, we balance uh, tomato, the cheese, uh, we, we, we keep it pretty simple and good for you.
I like it. Yeah, and the, you know what? There, you see pizzerias who offer a, a vegan or a gluten-style pizza because they can, but it's completely different than their regular pizza, and they're only doing it because people have asked for it. They're not really coming up with a recipe for that. They're just kind of using a crust that everybody else uses and putting cheese and sauce on there and saying, hey, we have a gluten-free pizza now. It's not – I don't want to say it's not good, but it's sometimes it's not like their regular product. It's just something that they have. and. I don't know if you always necessarily want to do that. Maybe come up with, if you're a restaurant, gluten-free options without diminishing your product. We would like to to look at that as a good challenge for us uh, to work on a gluten-free recipe that it's actually the highest possible quality that really utilizes. And I think that is not easy. And, And certainly we are trying to develop one product at a time and not rush and coming up with too many ideas because it's where quality comes from too, right? Yeah, I enjoy that. I like that. I think that's a good idea, not trying to do too many things. Perfecting one thing instead of doing a lot of things okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, this was fascinating. I I, I very much enjoyed this conversation. Bianca, Martina, where can people go if they want to – I mean, can they order pizza from you now or is it going to have to wait a couple weeks so you guys – Really launching. A couple weeks. Um, definitely check out the website, larosipizza.com, and our Instagram, also larosipizza on Instagram, um, for updates. Uh, you can sign up to the newsletter. We, we don't bombard people. It's like once a month, once every two months, but that's where, you know, you'd learn about any updates. But yeah, I'd say within, uh, within the month of April, we'll be shipping na- uh, nationally, which is really exciting. And if they have any questions, they can reach out to you on Instagram or is that, or your yeah, website? We're very speedy on DM. It's okay. hello, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link it up in the show notes for this episode as well. So Perfect. Uh, it's LaRossi, L-A-R-O-S-S-I pizza on Instagram. Yes. Bruce, thank you so much. It was so fun chatting with a fellow pizza enthusiast and we're excited to keep it in touch and, yes. uh, and send some pizza very soon. I will be your guinea pig for testing it out in the Boston area. Perfect. For sure. Don't hang up yet, but it was good you guys. I appreciate you joining me. Um, Thank you guys so much. And don't forget to check out the show notes over at smartpizzamarketing.com. We'll link up everything we mentioned on this episode. Ladies, don't hang up, but it was very, my pleasure having you on the podcast today. Wonderful. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Go check out our show notes. We linked up everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to the website for Bianca and Martina over at smartpizzamarketing.com. You can go check out everything that we talked about on this podcast over there. All right, next week, we'll see you. We're going to be doing the Pizza Summit podcast. We also have another great guest coming up. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so at Smart Pizza Marketing and at The Bruce Irving. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook because as we lead up to the Pizza Summit, we're going to be doing a lot of live sessions over there talking about the sessions, what you can expect, how to join, how to get a free coupon code, and all of that good stuff over on Facebook. So go check us out there. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.